Welcome to the Shine Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gina Canadian, and I am so grateful that you are here. I am a wife, mother of three boys, certified massage therapist, and a devoted alcohol recovery coach who helps driven women break through their alcohol dependency without the traditional 12-step program. Each week, I will bring you inspiring guests with focus on mindset, health, and spirituality, providing you the tips and tools to help you create unshakable confidence, clarity, and energy so you can unleash your creative potential and live the life of your dreams alcohol-free. So tune in for some fun, and if you are ready to shine, welcome. Welcome back to the Shine Within podcast. I have a special guest here. Her name is Ellen Elizabeth. She is an author and coach representing people who are dealing with the struggle and the shame that comes from feelings of inadequacy. Her memoir, Split Ends, will be published May 23rd of this year. She strives to inspire people to define who they want to be and to help them transform their demons into dreams through radical honesty. Thank you so much, Ellen Elizabeth, for joining today. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to have our conversation and hopefully have some listeners really feel some inspiration. Absolutely. And what I want to do today is I just really want to hear your story, your background, and how you were able to overcome your addiction with drugs and alcohol. Of course. I love sharing my story because I never know who's going to hear it and hear what they need to hear. Um, So I... I started with a normal childhood. Everything was good. Um, I was a good student, um, straight A's, played sports, did band, did all the things in school. And I never really partied a ton in high school. I, you know, tried it a few times, but it wasn't an obsession at that point. Um, I met my first boyfriend when I was 17 and he was my first serious boyfriend, I didn't know when I met him that he was actually a drug addict and he introduced me to hard drugs. Um, So I kind of just went from zero to a thousand very quickly. Um, I wanted to do anything for him. Um, I, I just had a completely wrong idea of what love was. Um, I feel like totally changed who I was to be who he wanted me to be and drugs were a big part of his life um so they became a big part of my life I was so scared of losing him um that I just really did whatever needed to be done um so that was really a terrible part of my life um it was while I was trying to go to college and I was transferring all the time. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I only wanted to be where he was. We ended up moving to a different state and that's when things really got worse. Um, And I ended up having to withdraw from that university because I was failing. Um, I didn't go to class. I had been up all night doing drugs and did drugs before going to school. And it was just unmanageable at that time. I, um, I kind of had this little notion in my head, like, this is kind of an addictive behavior, (laughs) but I was like, oh, I'm not an addict. It's just, it's just what college kids do. You know, I'm at that age where we're supposed to try things and blah, blah, blah. Um, So I just tried to convince myself everything was okay. And I eventually, um, I called my mom one day and just told her how terrible, I never said I was on drugs. Um, So I convinced everyone I was having mental issues. 
Um, but I was like, I need to come home. And so she got in the car. She and my dad came to pick me up. Um, and I came home to um, Colorado, which is where I live now. So through all that, I was able to finally realize I could break up with him and could be okay. So I did do that. And I just removed myself from him and that removed me from the drugs. So looking back at that, I don't really understand how I was able to do that. I don't remember getting withdrawals or going through, I didn't go to a rehab or start doing any programs. Um, but I did start drinking alcohol every day. So I basically switched one for the other. And at that point I was 21 and I thought that 21 year olds just drink every day. Um, I started drinking at five, thought that was normal because it's happy hour, um, and just drank all night, every night. So obviously that's not normal, but it, to me, I thought it was, I convinced myself everything I was doing was just what everyone else did. So I went through the party phase and then met, you know, I had some other relationships. Um, one of them, I'm pretty sure the reason he broke up with me was for my alcoholism. Um, he had tried to get me to go to AA and I thought it was stupid. I didn't, didn't like it. I thought everything about it was weird. And obviously I was only going to AA cause he wanted me to. So I wasn't there for me. And that's really the only way you can get sober is if you want to. Um, so I kept drinking, met my now husband. We, you know, we're mid twenties. So we did go out a lot. We partied together and then it got to the point where I needed so much more than anyone else that like I'd go out with my girlfriends and they'd have one shot and be tipsy. And I was like, what? Um, I need like six or seven to even feel tipsy. Like that's not even drunk. That's just tipsy. Um, so I started carrying extra in my purse and sneaking it at home. Um, and so hiding it essentially. Um and then I moved in with my husband. We weren't married yet, but we moved in together and I really started freaking out because I didn't know, I didn't want him to know how much I needed. You know, we'd still drink together, but he didn't know I needed so much more. So I started hiding water bottles in the closet um, filled with vodka and just did that as long as possible. There were really terrible things that happened. Um, I also took Ambien every night. So drinking with Ambien is a whole different, you know, feeling and things happen. Um, so I had several scary like Ambien infused blackouts and then scary alcohol blackouts and became very angry, very violent. Um, just I, I've never known how to show feelings and they've always come out as anger and so when I was drinking, that was just so much worse. <sighs> Finally got to, I was still doing that. We're still married um, or still together. We get married and we immediately start trying to have kids. We'd always wanted kids together. I was still drinking, thinking I was getting away with it. He kind of figured, I mean, he'd been through a lot of the incidences with me that weren't good. So he knew I drank a lot. Um he thought it was just those few times. And then I think he was starting to figure out like, this is a lot more than what I'm seeing, you know? And 
so we realized that we're not able to naturally have kids together. Um, so we started doing fertility. Um, first, that was the pills that help with ovulation. And then it was actual procedures that you need to do. And through the beginning of all that, I'm just chugging vodka, um, knowing I'm still doing all of these fertility treatments. And I tried to stop. Um, he was, my husband said, you know, let's quit drinking while we're doing all this stuff. Cause it'll, we'll be healthier. And, and so he would quit and I'd be like, okay, I'm quitting too. But on the way home, I'd have four shooters just to like get it. So I wasn't shaky and like withdrawing overnight. Um, and I was pissed every time I was like, this isn't getting me drunk. This is just to get me to that like level place. Um, and I was just miserable. I absolutely hated it. I didn't tell any of the doctors that I was drinking so much. Um, and it got to the point where I couldn't even fathom getting pregnant. Cause I was so scared of having to quit. Um, but at the same time, I just, we've always wanted kids. That's what I've always wanted. So it was just this awful cycle of wanting kids, but not knowing how to quit and then feeling bad about myself, blaming myself for all the for infertility, you know, just the self-loathing that comes with addiction. Um, and it really just spiraled even more out of control. And on like this one weekend where I was trying to be under control because we were still going through treatments, I drank six large glasses of wine and then went to a party where I had vodka and peed the bed and blacked out by a pool it's just like that was me trying to control it um and it it just was completely insane um insanity is you know just part of it so several other really bad things happened and I started I had I felt like I had to drink first thing in the morning because I was so shaky so hungover so miserably sad and upset with myself um that that's the only way I knew I could go on so that was happening I was still trying to control it and it finally just I reached that point where I was wasted by eleven thirty. I was at work I knew I was gonna get caught and fired and I called my husband and said you need to get me right now this is what happened they're gonna notice he wasn't happy about it, but he came and in the car, I said, I think I should go to rehab. That's the last thing I remember saying. Um, and then I woke up at home and my parents were there. My husband was there. Um, and they just said, you know, we found you a place to go. So that's the start of my recovery journey. Um, that was six, a little over six years ago. So I did go to a facility. Um, I ended up staying inpatient for about three weeks. Um, and that's all insurance would allow me to do. That's a whole different conversation is how awful insurance is for things like this. Um, but I did continue doing outpatient for, I think, three to six more weeks. I don't really remember. Um, and then I started doing AA off like as often as I possibly could. That was my first form of recovery. Um, I've now found several other different recovery programs that also resonate with me. So I don't think there's only one way to recover. I think 
there, however works for you is absolutely what works. Um, so for me, it's AA and other like online recovery communities. And I do volunteer work at um, recovery centers and I'm becoming a coach to help people throughout all of this. Um, and really just for me, the actual steps of AA are really powerful and help me just live my life in a better way. You learn all about yourself in a different way than, than for me than ever before. Um, Cause in addiction, I just blamed everyone else and didn't look inward. Um, I have a completely different like spiritual view. Um, spirituality is different than it used to be. I feel more connected to the universe. Um, I don't call it God. I just say the universe, it can be whatever you want it to be. But, um, and just having the support around me that I've had has been amazing. My husband has been incredible. My family's been incredible. I unfortunately did lose an entire friend group um, because that's what they do. They drink and it just didn't really include me anymore, which was fine because I was uncomfortable being at those places, but it is like a grieving process still, even six years later um, to lose those types of friends. So I did um, end up getting pregnant after getting sober. So we did still have to do infertility stuff. So we did IVF and now we have twins. They're four. So that's been crazy. And it's just kind of like everything I wanted started happening once I got sober. And I was, I mean, I was functioning when I like considered a functional alcoholic because everything looked perfect on the outside and no one would have guessed except for people close to me. Um, so I convinced myself everything was fine because I still had my job. I still had, you know, a car, you know, food, material things. And there's no way I was an alcoholic because I have all these things, you know, um, but it's just on the inside. I was completely dying. Um, so now I don't have to lie about who I am. I don't have to hide and have secrets. And, you know, I, I do finally have that family that I wanted. Um, some days it's hard to remember that I wanted them because they're four and they're twins and they're everywhere and all over the place. But, you know, that's how kids are. So it's been quite the journey. I mean, it, it started hardcore and then just transferred to alcohol. And um, I think my active addiction was about 15 years. So um, it's just been, it's completely baffling to me that I'm alive. And <laughs> I feel like most people through addiction have those moments where it's like, whoa, that was pretty intense. You know, why am I still here? Um, and it's just amazing to see. I mean, I feel like I needed to go through that and I'm grateful I went through that because it made me who I am today. Wow, that is so incredible. It's such a beautiful story. I know there's always those moments, those ugly moments in our addiction, those dark times. And I, I feel like my story and your story is just very much similar. I started doing hard drugs, my first drug before like marijuana even and cigarettes, even yeah. a sip of alcohol was straight ecstasy. I was 17 years old. The boyfriend at the time was going to parties and raves and everything. And and then we were living together and then we broke up. But then I was still continuing that habit of going to parties and raves. 
And then I remember that after that phase was out, then there was, I turned 21, 22, and then there was a drinking phase. I dropped out of college because all I was doing was getting drunk all the time. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I married my DJ boy, or, or I married my DJ boyfriend. We right. moved in together, but he was an addict as well. So the only difference I would say is that your husband was very, is very good. He's very supportive, very yeah. good husband. And that's amazing that you had that. Because I wish I had that. My husband was an enabler, very codependent. So if mm -hmm. I said, hey, go buy me a bottle of vodka, I'd have it right in five minutes. Or, right. hey, you know, let's we drink together and everything. So you were so fortunate that you have such a great support system that way. That he's there like, hey, you need help? Let's let's get you help. My husband right. did not tell at the time. This is my ex-husband. <laughs> I'm remarried right. now. Yeah. Um, at the time, he he never once told my mom I had a problem, never even brought any any awareness of my my habit. He didn't say right. anything. It was our lifestyle. Yeah. And I am just so I'm so proud of you for for just changing your life. And it's beautiful hearing your story because there is hope, even though we feel like we're dying inside. Yes, we feel like we're dying inside. But really, it's just dimmed. Our light is dimmed and we just need that light to come out again. And then once that right. does come and here you're coaching now and you wrote a I want to talk about your book split yeah. ends. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming out May 23rd. I'm excited. I want to actually get it. I, I love yeah. hearing everybody's stories and memoirs. I get so inspired because Thank it's you. just amazing. Can you just share a little bit about what your memoir is about? Absolutely. So it, it goes into my story that I just um, told you just obviously in 250 pages or however much. Um, so it's very much just from my childhood all the way to where I am today um, goes it's very vulnerable very detailed you know there's things in there that I'm not proud of and that are embarrassing and I just feel with that radical honesty it'll really help people because um, I've even I have a website and I started with a blog um, and I've had friends say you know, I read your last blog, it made me so uncomfortable. And I'm just like, well, that's good. I think like it hits a nerve and it makes you start thinking about stuff. Um, so yeah, it really, it goes into like my mental illnesses too. You know, I have anxiety and depression and, and different things that you're just trying to like cover up with the drugs and alcohol. Um, so it's always just the things that we want to numb are really what we need to like find the root of like, why is that? so hard for me to to feel those feelings and to handle um so it's something I'm so proud of I'm I'm so excited I'm also nervous that it's going to be out into the world but I think it really will help a lot of people and that's really the only not the only reason I did it for me it was very therapeutic to write the whole thing to just go through it to own it um but I'm sure that a lot of people will resonate with it and that's really all I want Yes, they will resonate with it. And you're going to see everyone's going to be contacting you. Oh, thank you so much for this book. It's amazing. And they're just going to be raving. I'm, I, I just already have a feeling. I have a, I have a high intuition. <laughs> oh, and, I, and then I, I definitely feel like it's going to help a lot of people. Because I'm feeling like a lot of people are feeling alone, especially during COVID. Oh, Remember when we're sheltered, right? I don't know right. about you, but I was hearing stories that it was either one way or the other. People were either drinking a lot more or mm -hmm. people were who were drinking stopped drinking because they weren't going out as much. Right. <laughs> what are I'm, some? Yeah. I just can't. I'm grateful I got sober before COVID because that 
I would have been like up to a handle a day, I'm sure at that point. Cause it's just what, what else is there to do? You're bored and you're, I mean, for me being bored was a trigger being yes. alone was a trigger. Um, so, but I also found some of my online communities through COVID. So that was awesome. There's just been so much more. I mean, now there's a million zoom meetings you can go to that are not AA related or that are AA related and you know all these coaching tools you can find online um but a ton of the women that I know from those communities their sobriety dates are around COVID um so it's good that that people were starting to notice it but uh, yeah I mean just for for anything you're no one going through this journey is alone and it's really the absolute hardest thing you'll ever do is asking for help but it's really once you do there's this entire community that will will love you and you know just grab you in a little hug and they'll have your back forever I mean I've met some of my best friends through like recovery programs and I I know that they'll answer my phone or not my phone um (laughs) they'll answer their phone if I call them and they'll be there if I'm struggling, you know, everyone that saw me go through some really hard stuff during sobriety was always there for me. Um, so it's just that asking for help is the hardest, but it's really the most important. But I mean, no one in this is alone, even though there's those times when you just feel helpless and like no one will understand, but we all do, you know, your story and my story are similar. And we had no idea about that until we shared. So there's just always someone in your shoes um, that you can relate to. Totally. Yeah, there's always somebody. And I, I remember you were talking about taking Ambien and with alcohol. Like, I used to have a whole bunch of vodka bottles in my, they're empty. Of They were empty, of course. I don't yeah. think alcohol lasted in my, <laughs> No. <laughs> I think it would be done in one day. I, I would have to drink a, a fifth of vodka a day in order for me to function. Like, yeah. like, like similar to your story, I would have to wake up. First thing I would have to drink because Mm -hmm. otherwise I'd be, I couldn't function. I couldn't drive. I couldn't work. I couldn't do anything. And I would go ahead and put the vodka in my water bottle and mix it and take it to work. I was just waiting to get caught one day, but for some reason I I didn't get caught because no one knew what was going, whatever they saw on the outside. It was like, oh, she's normal. No, really. Mm -hmm. I was dying inside. Just like Mm -hmm. how you were saying, you just were dying inside. And I feel like community is a big 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 important uh aspect of the recovery i feel like we need people (laughs) and then yeah and then we need more coaches like you and i want to talk a little bit about uh how you coach your clients what kind of process you take them through it kind of depends on the client you know first i want to know what works for them some people are absolutely no aa they, they don't relate to it whatsoever and some people are open to it so i really just try to get a sense of who they are and what they want and how is the best way to recover for them. So I kind of tailor it to their wants and their needs. Obviously, if they're okay with AA, then I, you know, lead them through that type of program. It's I'm not their sponsor, but, you know, I'm helping them through the same type of um, program and experience you go through with that. And um, if it's not AA related, I still do, um, try to bring in the themes of just what we go through and what we're trying to cover up. So 
they always say alcohol is the symptom, you know, what is it a symptom of and why are we depending on it? You know, is it from something you went through in childhood? Is it from, for me, like, I think I was just kind of born an addict, you know, it is a disease. It can just be, you know, there, um, there was nothing that I went through that was like traumatic that would have triggered me to want to numb that feeling. So where did it come from? You know, I'm still figuring that out to this day. Like, what is it inside of me that I needed to numb? So it's really just using the tools to get to that like deep, dark place that you were trying to cover up and then working through it in a way that can make you see the triggers, see your part and things, see how you're reacting um, and how you can kind of switch your thinking so that if you are feeling that way, what can you do instead of using or drinking? Yes. Yes. And what would you say are some habits that you have implemented in your life now that are healthy? <laughs> Obviously yeah. they're healthy because you're not, right. you're not yeah. using Everything's anymore. Healthy. Everything's healthy. But what are some of those um, habits that you started doing when in your early phases of recovery? Yeah. So I'm that total stereotypical recovery person doing all the yoga, all the meditation, all the journaling. Um, and those things really helped me. Obviously, as a writer, I love journaling. Um, I've gotten into more like exercise. I was really active in exercise when I was drinking um, because I was like, oh my God, I'm eat, having 4,000 calories of vodka a day. I should probably run three miles, you know? Um, so it's just now different reason for working out um um and just the community who can I talk to who can give me ideas of things that they they do um you know I still do like self-care is very important I do massages I do acupuncture and she's always like well we're still detoxing your liver and it's been six years and I'm just like good god what did I do to it you know um so I do a lot of the holistic natural type things as well and no not everyone is into that type of thing but for me it really I just consider it self-care um you know I have to just there is a higher power in my life and I have to connect with that every day um because it is the thing that I believe is leading me um and helping me through everything that I'm going through um so I also, you know, there's still days that I just want to watch Netflix for 12 hours and some days you just need stuff like that. But my sponsor is always like, well, you know, binging is also an ad addiction. I'm like, ah, I'm the alternative. So just going to watch this show in a day and be done with it. But yeah, so <laughs> it depends. That's funny. Yeah, I noticed. I know because, you know, I have a strong addiction personality, too. And it's like, OK, I need to. It's either all or nothing for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's either all or nothing. So if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it 100 percent and or I'm not going to do it at all. Right. And I, I there was no middle ground. Um, what are some steps or what are some ways that if people are like in the middle ground, like what can they do to make sure that they're not implementing bad habits and just overall changing themselves? you know, what phase they're in of their recovery, if they're, if they're in that like gray area where they're, they're thinking, you know, I may be a problem drinker, but I don't think I'm an alcoholic. And it's always that like label that also there's just such a stigma around it and not everyone's comfortable with the term, which is absolutely fine. You know, I encourage people just to say, 
I'm sober curious, or, you know, I'm trying to be alcohol free. Um, you don't have to label yourself as anything that you're not comfortable with. Um, but, you know, I tell people that they really just, you know, can use some of the tools um, like that I use. And if you're starting to obsess about it or crave it, you know, there are the things that, like I just mentioned, just take a pause. And instead of thinking about the drugs or alcohol, go on a walk or call a friend that, you know, is alcohol free or that would support you, even if they're not alcohol free, just even trying to help someone else. Like if you're, I heard someone say that, um, when they thought about drinking, they would go to a grocery store and put all the carts back into the little, because, you know, people just leave it wherever their car was and they never like roll it back to the cart area. And just like getting out of yourself and trying to help people um, instead of just sitting there obsessing about what's wrong with you and why do I have this and why can't I stop thinking about it? Just like go try to be a good Samaritan and do something. It just gets you out of negative self-talk. Yes, I feel like service is a big part of recovery. I notice mm-hmm. when I'm serving others, I don't feel like everything's, I'm not even thinking about myself anymore. I'm thinking about others and how can I serve to the community and I think you're doing a great service by writing a book. And not only is it therapeutic for you, but it's going to be therapeutic for others who are reading it, as well as coaching right. um, individuals. No, are you coaching men and women, or is it just yes. women? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. You know, I, re- I originally thought like just women, because I also have the infertility piece and everything. Um, but I mean, there's just men and we're all in this. T- there's like no difference, you know, doesn't matter if you make $4 million a year or Matthew Perry making however many million a year. And, you know, we're all going through the same thing. So I'm absolutely doing both men and women. Yeah. That's great. Yes. And also spirituality, like you were mentioning, is a big part of the recovery process. Would you say that you were connected to the universe before you uh, were drinking and doing drugs? So I grew up Catholic, so I've always believed in God. Um, I feel like now I'm spiritual instead of religious. Um, so that's kind of people don't always understand that. And when they think of a higher power, they just think of God and that, you know, can freak some people out. Um, but my, my spiritual practice is so much stronger now. Um, and it's only through the program of AA that I've learned, you know, that portion of me. Um, and it's, so I have changed it from God to the universe. And, you know, I just believe that there's something that's always been with me watching over me you know there's a reason I didn't get in a car accident when I was driving blackout you know there's a reason I never ran over someone when I was you know driving drunk and like someone's been something um has always been there for me and for people that struggle with that idea um I had someone tell me you know I believe in karma but I'm struggling with this you know, higher power thing. And I was like, well, just make karma your higher power. If you believe that, you know, what you put out in the world will come back to you, just like, just make that what you believe in. And, and that's been working for her. So it's just all about how, how you think about it and, you know, what you believe about it. It's so funny because you remind me of, there's a story of someone made just, their, they didn't believe in anything. Like, I don't believe in anything. So they made their goldfish through <laughs> I know. I think the biggest thing is you need to surrender and right. die to yourself. And then mm-hmm. that way you're able to 
evolve and grow and be who your true, who your true spirit is. And your true spirit is just amazing, amazing. And everybody has it within them. It's not just like this person's better than this because they're doing this or no. No, it's all in us. Everybody. It's just, it's just up to us to unleash it. Go find it. Yeah. (laughs) I, I really believe in like your highest self and your like vibrations throughout life. So you know, I'm on my path to finding my highest self. I'm not there, but all this crap that I had to go through that was really hard, like, well, I'm not, I like to say conquering it, but it's never like gone. I haven't completely conquered it, you know, but going through it and transforming to where I am today, you know, is bringing me closer to my highest self. So it's kind of fun to think of it that way. Cause then it's like, Ooh, where will I be when I'm 85? You know, what will I have learned in, you know, 50 more years? And I don't know. It's just, for me, it's kind of, it's just fun to think of like how far you can go in your lifetime. Yeah. Your potential is uh, limitless is right. uh, you have, you can do anything. I feel like people can do anything Yeah, <laughs> and we can manifest it too. We can definitely oh, manifest I totally believe it. In manifesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, all about the manifesting. I'm all about the, you know, I, I see holistic healers and, you know, card readers and oracle readers and all the things and I just like to try everything and I just leave my mind open to it all yeah an open mind is very important I mean like you said with the whole the religious aspect I feel like just so many rules right and I thought like you know we have the right to choose we have, it's free will the universal law <laughs> right. <laughs> so people always have like con- conflicts with that you know I never grew up spiritual or religious and then it wasn't until then I'm just like God help me. Then it helped me. Mm-hmm. So it really just depends on who, who, what, what you align with, whatever you align with. And that's your spirit aligning with that. So whatever yeah. that, that it is, and everybody's different. And I think that's such a beautiful thing, but mm-hmm. I want to know what are like the biggest breakthroughs that you've experienced since you've quit alcohol and drugs. So I think becoming a mom, um, is something you're never, ever prepared for. Um, And some of the things I had to go through sober were just like, like my son almost died, you know, five or six times, um, had my husband do CPR on him three times. Um, and you know, we're sitting in the, the NICU, the PICU for 50 days within his, you know, for six months of life. And it's like, I didn't drink through that. And, you know, if I hadn't been sober, I would have been bringing, you know, water bottles filled with vodka into the hospital and, you know, who knows if, like, I, I don't understand what doctors say to me when I'm sober. Like, I can't imagine when they're babbling all these words I don't understand when I'm drunk, I'd be like, oh, all right. So just, you know, the things I've been able to handle, I never thought I would handle, um, you know, in a, in a sober way. And I feel like every, I mean, this is kind of silly, but every day is a breakthrough. It's just like, you learn something more about yourself every day. Um, and just like working a program and waking up sober is a breakthrough every day, you know, cause I never imagined I could go 12 hours without alcohol. Like I would physically get uncomfortable and just angry and shaky and sweaty. And my heart was racing if I didn't have booze within that amount of time. So the fact that we can go from that to six years in recovery is a breakthrough in itself. 
Beautiful. Yes. Every day is a breakthrough. And it's interesting that you talked about your son. My son was also in NICU. Uh, I did stop drinking during my pregnancy. And uh, I was hemorrhaging during my, my pregnancy. They had induced right. me because it was gestational diabetes was my last month of my third trimester. So I was putting insulin and everything. But I was monitored regularly. But for some reason, when the nurse put that thing inside me where I was supposed to open up my cervix more, blood just came rushing out. He had hypoxia. He was in NICU. His lung, lung then collapsed. And it's like, well, I wasn't drinking during that time either. So I can totally relate again. Yeah. To yeah. the whole NICU thing, it's so it's so scary. But you know what? Yeah. They're they're good now. It's like I'm sure it, your exactly. son is much better, and then mine's just a little love a bundle of joy next door. And it's just right. it's just the, the breakthroughs that do come with being sober minded and everything is just incredible. Right. Wow! I know. And just the community around me when I was going through that because you know I'd been sober a couple years when I don't remember when they were born, but it'd been a while. And so I already had connections that of sober people and, you know, there were always people trying to, it was before COVID so they could visit in the hospital and bring us food and, you know, check on me <laughs> to make sure I'm okay. And it's just like, we've talked about the community is so strong and amazing. Yes. And you said you had to pretty much get rid of your old friends and how, how did you do that? Um, it really sucked. It actually, so my husband is a normie, so he can drink um, one and be done if he wants, which is weird, but um, <laughs> like he can go. So he still wanted to be friends with this group. And I, you know, told him my, why I was uncomfortable with it, but said I would try the parties a little bit. And so I, I did try a few times and and it's just number one, not fun because they're all drunk. Um, number two, like they were awkward about it. And it's, I just didn't know how to relate anymore. Like they're in a place where they don't want to look at their own stuff. Um, and I'm not going to preach at them. Like if someone needs help and comes to me, I will 100% help you, but I'm not going to go to a party where everyone's drunk and be like, you guys need help. Like, this is what you should be doing. <laughs> like, that's not what we do. Um, so it just, you know, eventually stopped getting contacted, you know, it's not, I would try for a little bit. I feel like they would try for a little bit and then it just kind of fizzled, you know, they're still in my community. We still see them. They're, you know, friends on social media and like every once in a while we'll talk, but, um, it's, yeah, it just kind of, it was hard for my husband too. Cause he felt like he lost those friendships as well. So it's been really like just managing your own relationships once you're sober and then adding all these other people just makes it very complicated, especially since my husband has been so supportive, but he also still wants to be friends. And so we're still navigating stuff as we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you never know what's going to happen. So, I mean, he's still, he is like a hundred percent extroverted and I'm introverted and drinking made me extroverted. So it helped me have good times at all these parties and stuff. And now I'm like, I'm fine. Just staying home and not going out. It's all, you can go if you want. So it just depends. Yeah. That, that reminds me. I, I, I thought I was so cool and so much, I built so much confidence when I was drinking and going out, but then I noticed 
I'm a little bit more fun now <laughs> than I was before. I'm like, and then I'm a little bit too happy. And people are thinking, is she still drinking? I know. I just feel like there's so much joy I have because I don't drink or don't do any drugs anymore. I just, there's just something about so being sober. I feel like I'm so connected to nature. I'm so connected to like my animals, <laughs> my, my goldfish. <laughs> my... Yes. Yeah. I'm so connected to everything and I have just so much joy and I love like everybody. And you're right about the whole frequency and that whole vibration. Once that is transmitted to other people and it just, is just, it's like a domino effect. I always right. say this in all my podcasts, it just, it just spreads. And this is just a great conversation that, that I'm having with you. And I'm so grateful that you've come on today. I wanted to say, where can people find your book? Of course. When so it you, comes out. <laughs> yeah, it'll be posted on my website. Um, and the it'll come out on Amazon um, to start. It'll be a Kindle version first and then go into the print version. Um, so I'll definitely be sending updates and links on my website, which is um, www.itsellenelizabeth.com. And you can also find, also find my handles are the same on Facebook and Instagram at It's Ellen Elizabeth. So I'll be promoting it a lot on those. And um, yeah, I, I'd love to see you guys read or hear of you guys reading it. Um, I can't wait to just get the feedback from people. Yes. Five-star review. <laughs> That's awesome. Now I, I always like asking everybody this question, you know, if any, if anyone who is listening right now, and if they are going through some type of addiction or struggle in, in anything, whether it's gambling, you know, drugs, alcohol, even pornography, who knows, what would you say to somebody who is struggling right now? What would your, what, always, what is a piece of advice you would give them? Right. So my easiest piece of advice is you are not alone and ask for help. That's what we've kind of talked about already. Um, asking for help is the hardest part, but even like, if you don't want to talk to anybody, you know, you can easily find the recovery community online now. Um, there's tons of places even on just social media, I found a ton of recovery um, pages on Instagram. And that's kind of how I got into the community. So if you just want to start off, you know, being sober curious and looking up, you know, different community groups that you think would work for you, it's just, you don't have to like go all in right away. Just if you even go anonymously on a person's Instagram recovery page and say, hey, this is what's happening. What do you like? That's the first step. Just saying those words. And I've had people on just random Facebook groups that I'm a part in reach out to me because they see that I post something about being sober and I don't know this person at all, but they're like, this is what's going on. I really need the help. There are tons of people like me that want to do that for others. So whether you reach out to me or to someone totally different, you know, we're all here for you. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Ellen Elizabeth. It was a pleasure speaking with you. You, you too. And it's fun. We have so much in common. Oh, way too much. It's kind of like, ooh, this is, this is fun. I want to say it's scary. I'm like, this is supposed to happen. <laughs> this is a <laughs> Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. If you're loving what you're hearing, go ahead and check out the links in the show notes. And if you're aligned to leave a five-star review, thank you.